We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Preborn. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection. And the majority of the time, she'll choose life. But they can't do it without our help. Preborn needs us, the pro-life community, to come alongside them. One ultrasound is just $28. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or visit preborn.com. The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. The rise and fall of Abimelech. That's how Judges 9 begins, and with that, we welcome you to this edition of Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here, along with Jeff Shambly. Bert Harper is out today, and uh, it's good to have you back, Jeff. And I want to say thank you as we get into Judges chapter 9. Thanks for being so willing, not only what you do all for American Family Association, but what you do for Exploring the Word, and you're very accessible, and we appreciate your presence on the show. Always a pleasure to be here with you, Alex. Well, ditto, ditto. And uh, you may remember, everybody, uh, we were at National Religious Broadcasters last week, and Bert and I were there, and Jim Stanley, and uh, Devin Patrick, and uh, Ed Vitagliano, and uh, Abe Hamilton III, just a lot of a lot of the personalities from AFA, and we had a really good time. Jeff, I, I want to get into Judges 9, but um, was there, not not name-dropping, but just beloved colleagues that you get to know over the years, people like Erwin Lutzer oh, yeah. spent a lot of time with Dr. Lutzer and Eric Metaxas and saw Dr. Robert Jeffers from First Baptist Dallas, and David Jeremiah was there, and just lots and lots of great people. But Jeff, what excited me was, you know, like near the end of the day, I'd see people getting together and pulling up chairs and getting a little prayer circle going. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I know that all the crew, Jeff McIntosh and everybody bringing all the gear back to Tupelo, it was probably a pretty busy weekend to get everything back into the studios at Tupelo. But had a good weekend, and uh, did you did you preach somewhere Sunday, Jeff? I did not. I heard some good preaching, but I wasn't the one behind the pulpit. Uh, great, great services Sunday, though. Well, I, I had a, a, a real honor. Um, I did a wedding on Saturday afternoon, um, Elizabeth Henderson and Hunter Mashburn. And Elizabeth um, is an attorney who works in the office of the Chief Justice of the North Carolina Supreme Court, oh, wow. Judge Paul Newby, just a very wonderful brother. And uh, several years ago, Bert and I, some of you listening might have been there, Bert and I did an outdoor prayer rally in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and there were about 3,500 people, probably more than that. I've got some photos that are pretty amazing. But a lot of people showed up, and we made a lot of friends, some friends in the North Carolina state government. And uh, so I just want to be on record, Jeff. I did all these interviews at NRB like for 14 hours a day, I think. (laughs) And I was a little concerned that I was going to get hoarse. And I prayed, Lord, please don't let me get sick. Sometimes at these week-long conventions, I get a little under the weather. And I felt great, got back. The airplanes were on time. Angie and I 
went to a rehearsal Friday, and then I performed a wedding ceremony Saturday. Mm. And so God is good, and we're back at the mic. And uh, before we get into Judges 9, tell everybody what you do with The Stand, if you would, Jeff. Thanks, Alex. Uh, Yes, I am the host and producer of The Stand radio program, which is a half-hour program here on AFR, Saturdays at 4 and Sundays at 8 p.m. Central. And uh, we take a lot of the same topics and issues addressed in The Stand magazine and turn that into a radio program. So lots of great interviews on the topics of faith, culture, and family. So appreciate that, Alex. Great program. Well, exactly. And and what is that website again? Well, you can find the podcast at AFR.net. Scroll on down to The Stand Radio, and there you'll be able to hear all of the episodes that we've put together so far. Well, amen. Yeah. Well, that sounds great. Yeah. That is wonderful. Well, uh, let's get into Judges chapter 9, and I'm going to read a little bit, beginning at verse 1, and we'll comment. Then Abimelech, the son of Jerubal, went to Shechem to his mother's brothers and spoke with them and with all the family of the house of his mother's father, saying, Please speak in the hearing of all the men of Shechem. Which is better for you, that all seventy of the sons of Jerubal will reign over you, or that one reign over you? Remember that I am your own flesh and bone. And his mother's brothers spoke all these words concerning him in the hearing of all the men of Shechem. And their heart was inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, He is our brother. So, um, you know, uh, Jeff, maybe there was a little bit of favoritism or even nepotism here, but Abimelech, on the strength of the family name, becomes the leader. But... but it's not going to play out well, is it? No, and this chapter is an amazing chapter. There's so much that we can pull out of of not only how God works among his people, but what makes a good leader. You know, Abimelech means my father is king, and you think about him. Now, there are 70 sons of Gideon, Jeroboam, and Abimelech is the son of one of the concubines. So let's say a servant girl. He is He's a, a child of a servant girl, but his mother names him, my father is king. So do you think that she's got some plans for him? Uh, some designs. Some designs. It sounds yeah, like that's it. That's, uh, you know, uh, I guess pretty presumptive, isn't it? It, it is. It is. But they, they, these, the men of Shechem, and one of the ways it could be translated are lords or owners of Shechem. Shechem. Mm-hmm. But they give him... A, a, a payment, 70 shekels of silver, from the temple of Baal Barith, with which Bimelech hired worthless and reckless men, and they followed him. You know, good leaders generally accumulate good people around them, and bad leaders. One, one thing, let me just say, folks, I've, I've heard it said that, you know, be careful if a leader only wants people that are maybe you know, inferior to himself. A good leader is not afraid to hire competent people and surround himself with actual, you know, skills and talents and accountability. But Abimelech, he he certainly wouldn't be the last in world history, but he hired worthless and reckless men, and they followed him. Then he went to his father's house at Ophrah, this is just unthinkable, and killed his brothers, the 70 sons of Jerubal on one stone. So, I mean, this is an yeah. execution. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubal, was left because he hid himself. 
Um, this is a, a despotic, murderous reign, and Abimelech is uh, a bad leader. And when you look at the big picture here, of course, the book of Judges deals with uh, Israel's uh, propensity to uh, worship idols. And the judges come in after God on these cycles, you know, of, of disobedience. They'll bow down to an idol, cry out to God. God will raise up a deliverer. Well, here is Abimelech endearing himself to an idol because these men in Shechem give him uh, 70 shekels of silver from the temple of Baal. And so Uh, right off the bat, he is joining himself to idolatry, which just shows you the kind of leader that he's going to be, completely unable to deliver them from idolatry because he's joining himself to idols as well. Yeah. And and you know what, um, Jeff, as we were getting ready to do the program, uh, literally at one minute till showtime, I got a call from Fox News in New York City, and I couldn't do the interview because I was coming on Exploring the Word. But the, uh, there are at one and probably several states, U.S. states right now, that are wanting to put um, an Islamic symbol on their state flag. Oh. Have you heard about no, this No, I have story? not heard that. And uh, so I was asked to give a statement on this, and I'm hmm. going to call Fox News back after the program today. But I think about this. Just like um, Abimelech willing, yeah. if it serves his purposes for power, yeah. to take an offering from the temple of Baal. I mean, I think about you know leaders today. Just to placate some activist group, there are something like 50 different woke flags now. And I'm sure we've seen the, you know, the different flags of different groups. L- let me say this uh, regarding the United States of America. We have a, a doctrine known as states' rights, but no, no state really has the right to do something that would undermine and subvert the U.S. Constitution, right. and states have rights within the, the parameters of the Constitution, and to endorse merely to placate some activist, whether it be, you know, a political group, uh, a, a moral, you know, a deviancy group, LGBTQ, trans, or uh, Hezbollah or Hamas, my goodness, how short-sighted it is when leaders can be bought. We have leaders yeah. today yeah. that are up for sale for the highest bidder. Abimelech was almost like that. Exactly. But here's something that's that's really bad. Uh, the men of Shechem gather, and they make Abimelech king. Now, maybe it was because, uh, you know, hey, he just executed his brothers. Heaven help the rest of us, so we better follow this guy. But there's an oak tree at the pillar that was in Shechem. Now, sometimes this is translated terebinth mm-hmm. tree. And in Joshua 24, Joshua, next to this oak tree, had placed a copy of God's law. And what's so sad is Abimelech gets coronated, this murderous king bought with pagan demonic money. Yeah, yeah. He gets coronated at the same place where Joshua had had a solemn uh, ceremony honoring the law of God. Uh, how far they've fallen. Yeah, what a brazen way to... to um blaspheme against God. And you think about this too, Alex, where are the defenders of Gideon's sons? 
because Gideon has defeated the Midianites, and he's, you know, he's delivered the people of Shechem, and what's their gratitude? And, and where are the people standing up to say, no, we're not going to allow this? We don't see that in this passage. And, and that's something that we need to learn from as well when people have evil designs on this nation and would see us uh, tied to idolatry and false religion in a public way. Uh, we owe it to the Lord as his people to stand up and say, no, we can't do this. So, so Jotham was a son of Gideon, and he, he hid himself and escaped the massacre of all the brothers. So he basically tells a parable of trees, and that's really a warning to the men. And I, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's, it's really powerful. And this is in um, Judges 9, beginning at verse 7. Jotham went up and stood on Mount Gerizim and lifted up his voice, and he, he's shouting, Listen to me, you men of Shechem, that God may listen to you. The trees once went forth to anoint a king over them. And they said to the olive tree, Reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, Should I cease giving my oil with which they honor God and men and go to sway over trees? And the, the tree said to the fig tree, You come and reign over us. All right, what this parable is about is uh, trees are a symbol in the Bible of, of outcomes because trees bear fruit. And fruit is reflective of the tree. The Bible talks about a good tree bears good fruit, a bad tree uh, bears bad fruit. And so there's a warning here in Jotham's kind of parable. Uh, And this is where, you know, some years prior, Israel had heard the blessings of God pronounced. You remember in Deuteronomy um, and Joshua, and this was about 150 years prior where they, they said, if you obey, good things will happen. There was Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. And if you disobey evil, the warnings came from Mount Ebal. The good promises came from Mount Gerizim. And I think as Jotham is up there, that's very symbolic. He knew it at least. I don't know if the men of Shechem did. Yeah. Well, we've got a break. Uh, Jeff, we're going to continue okay. in jo- uh, Judges 9, plus your calls. Your questions on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Stay with us. We want to welcome a new sponsor to American Family Radio, and I hope you give them your full support. That's Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org. If you're like most of us, you're feeling the strain of rising healthcare costs. Well, good news. Christian Healthcare Ministries may be the answer you're looking for. CHM is an affordable, faith-based option to traditional health care that provides members the freedom to choose doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods since they're not insurance. Can you say freedom? CHM is the longest-serving health cost-sharing ministry and has been around for over 40 years, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. They're tried and true and have members in all 50 states and around the world and have covered billions in medical bills. Members not only get advantages from the affordability, flexibility, and reliability of CHM, but they also receive access to 24-7 telehealth services at no additional cost. It's no surprise that doctors across the country appreciate working with CHM, and so will you. Make the switch today. 
by visiting chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR. And happy Monday to you. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio with Alex McFarland and Bert Harper. Jeff Shambly in for Bert this afternoon. We are in the book of Judges, chapter 9. And we're glad to have you along, Alex. Well, it's good to be here. And um, I'm going to give the number because we will get to phone calls in a few moments. And the number, if you have a Bible question, it's 888-589-8840. We'd love to hear from you on this Monday and have a... If you're a first-time caller, try to call in with a Bible question later on, 888-589-8840. But, uh, Jeff, before the break, okay, Jotham is up on this very significant mountain, Mount Gerizim, and he's giving this warning, and he says, you know, fire is going to come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. See, these men are—cedars of Lebanon are—if you've ever seen one of those, they're very tall, mighty trees— and these men that anointed Abimelech would think that they were tall and mighty like that mm-hmm. and could not be filled, but there's going to be a fire to devour them. And they anointed Abimelech because he was a brother, and you know they, I'm sure they had their reasons. They give him this pagan offering, and he kills all of his brothers on, on this stone. And so uh, Jotham you know, hid and fled and survives. Now he's he's really preaching at them. I got to tell you, there's something really, um, you know, dishonoring in here. And it says this about Abimelech's mother. It says, you have risen up against my father's house this day and killed his 70 sons on one stone and made Abimelech, the son of his maidservant, king over the men of Shechem, because he's your brother. So, I mean, there's this implication, uh, and and maidservant is like a term for slave girl, Mm -hmm. which could have also meant concubine. Let me just say this is to describe uh, Abimelech's mother in very unflattering terms. Let's just say it that way. And uh, so Jotham, he holds nothing back, and he's warning about the judgment that is going to come on all these men and Abimelech himself, and very shortly this judgment from God would be realized. But um, he was pretty pretty courageous preacher (laughs) there, wasn't he? He was courageous, and one thing we notice about Jotham was he didn't want to be king, and that was one of the things that Abimelech told these men of Shechem. Look, they just want to be kings over you, but but I'll be your king. Well, here's Jotham, Jotham, and he's preaching to the men of Shechem, Uh, in their ingratitude for what Gideon had done, but he doesn't want to be king. But he compares Abimelech to bramble instead of an olive tree or a fig tree or a vine, which actually produces fruit. Bramble is worth nothing. It has no fruit, but that's what Abimelech is like. He, he He would rather have the place of authority than actually do something for the people. He wanted the title, and I think that says something about a good leader, a good leader doesn't want the title, they want to serve the people, and that is not 
what Abimelech wanted. Amen. That that's such a good point that you bring that out, Jeff. That um, you know sometimes the people most desirous of leadership are not the people that should be yeah. in leadership. And you know it's a beautiful thing when somebody uh, you know leadership comes on them just in the sovereignty of God rather than they um, you know were power hungry. But for three years, Abimelech leads. And ultimately, there is going to be a, a division. Uh, the men of Shechem and Abimelech are going to get sideways against each mm-hmm. other. And l- let me just talk about this in verse 22, Judges nine twenty-two. It says that God sent a spirit of ill will between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. Now, there, there are times in the Bible... And let's just talk about the sovereignty of God a little bit. It, it, it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart, mm-hmm. and it says that uh, God sent an evil spirit onto King Saul. Verse 23, God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. So let me, let me just say this, and I think this is a rabbit worth chasing. Yeah. The Bible says that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God does not commit sin. And part of God's eternality is that there is no iniquity at all in the nature of God. God is righteous. God is holy. God has no sin. God does not sin. But the Bible says this, and Jeff, I want to lay this out, and I want you to comment. I really Mm -hmm. do solicit your opinion on this. The Bible says that even the wrath of man will praise God. Now, there are demons and there is the world and the flesh. There's carnality. While God does not do evil, and there is no iniquity in God, God can only do that which is righteous. I do think sometimes when it serves his purposes, he allows things to play out. Uh, He harnesses the power uh, of the world that might otherwise have committed sin and let me just say, in terms of judgment, the Bible says the, the way of the transgressor is hard. And sometimes mm-hmm. God doesn't really have to overtly judge people, but mm-hmm. I think maybe he just steps back yeah. and lets people almost do themselves in. And, and so when the Bible says, you know, God sent a spirit of ill will, um, notice whatever it might mean, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that God uses sin or iniquity or causes sin. Right. But when sinners conspire and do their unrighteous things, eventually there's going to be problems, and we see that here in 22 through 25. Yeah, I I agree, uh, Alex. I think clearly iniquity and wickedness were already in the hearts of these men. And, And it's like you said, God almost steps out of the way and lets their iniquity take control of them. I came across these verses in Proverbs. I thought this this tied in fairly well. Proverbs um, chapter 6 and verse 12, a worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes. He shuffles his feet. He points with his fingers. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continuously. He sows discord. Therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. I mean, it's a principle of God that wicked men are going to fall. And here, mm-hmm. it, God, as you said, 
brings justice upon these men of Shechem and upon Abimelech in a supernatural, providential way that really uh, deserves our worship. Mm. Powerful. So here's what, what's going on. These men, they put uh, highwaymen, there's an old phrase, highwaymen, mm-hmm. people that will stop uh, you know, caravans going through and rob them. The men of Shechem set men in ambush on the tops of the mountains, and they robbed all who passed along the way, and it was told to Abimelech. And so Abimelech has this problem about, you know, highway robbers and ambush people that are that are planted there, and uh, so uh, Abimelech doesn't like this, um, and the men of Shechem begin to um, put their confidence in uh, G A A L mm-hmm. Gael. I guess we might say Gaal or Gal. Mm-hmm. Don't know the son of Ebed, and. It says this, they go into the, talk about iniquity, they yeah. go into the house of their God, they eat and drink, and they curse Abimelech. And they said, who is Abimelech, and who is Shechem, that we should serve him? Is he not the son of uh, Jerubbaal, and is not Zebul his officer? Serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem, but why should we serve him? If only this people were under my authority, then I would remove Abimelech. So uh, they challenge him to a fight. Get your army, come out. And so um, in, in uh, kind of a, a, a drunken, um, you know, war room meeting, the, uh, Gael and his men begin to plan how they're going to fight and depose Abimelech. Yeah, here's another wicked man, another deceiver, using the deceivers to bring judgment upon the deceivers. I mean, this is God is turning all of this back upon the head of Abimelech and the men of Shechem in, in such a, a, a divine, just way. It is amazing. Well, and so Abimelech, uh, you know, rallies some troops. There, there's a fight, and for the moment, Abimelech prevails. But um, n- near the end of uh, chapter 9, here's, here's the thing. Um, Abimelech and the people w- with him they ambush Gael, and uh, Zebul says to him, You see the shadows of the mountains as if they were men. Gael spoke again and said, See, people are coming down from the center of the land, and another company is coming from the diviner's terebinth tree. Now, this alone kind of makes my heart heavy, mm. because the oak tree or terebinth tree is where Joshua had laid the law of God. Mm. Now it's like a tree where, uh, you know, pagans mm. try to cast spells and divine. And let me chase a rabbit again. You know, Jeff, our nation was built on biblical principles. That's a matter of record. And there are churches. I, I was actually, I was in Toronto, Canada, uh, and I went to a church on a Sunday morning, and they had laying on the communion table the LGBTQ trans oh, wow. rainbow flag. Mm. You you've seen like a you know very often a, a lovely tablecloth or runner will be laid over a communion table, and I thought how sad a communion table that represents you know the Lord's yeah. Supper being laid over with a flag that represents absolute unspeakable sin. Well, it, there's nothing new. 
here's this oak tree where there had been a ceremony about the law of God now used for divination. But anyway, so uh, the uh, you know Zebul says, "Where indeed is your mouth now?" In other words, you you all the big talk, and you said, "We're not going to serve Abimelech." Uh, you know, uh, where is where is all your talk now? Mm-hmm. But they fight. Abimelech chases. Uh, many get wounded at the entrance of the city gate. But Abimelech uh, drives out uh, Gael and his brothers so that they were not in Shechem. So um, Abimelech, even though he is leader of Shechem in 42 and following, he's really going to attack Shechem. Uh, lest there would be any remnant that was for uh, Gale, you know, this uh, uprising. Um, so he is basically, again, letting the city of Shechem know he's boss, but it, it won't last. And he, and the, and the word says that he ruled over Israel three years. It doesn't say he judged. And so, so you see that the hand of power and uh, title and privilege in Abimelech, but there's no sense where he is serving the people of God. He thinks right. he's in control, but in the next few verses, he's going to meet his hand, his end at, by the hand of God as well. Yeah, that, that Jeff, that's a great point. I'm glad you you brought that out. That you know the judges like Deborah and Barak and Gideon, of course, they judged, and by that not just adjudicating decisions, but they served the people. They served. Yeah. They communed with God. They followed God's leading, not their own agenda. And like you say, he ruled over three years, but uh, it, it certainly wasn't That's the difference serving. Be- the difference between a statesman and a politician here. Someone, yeah, exactly. Someone who wants to serve the people and someone who is out for advantage. And uh, Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So... There's going to be, there's a pagan tower of the god Berith, and all these men of Shechem gather there, and Abimelech gets wind of it. And uh, Abimelech takes an axe in his hand and cuts down a limb from a tree, lays it on his shoulder, Mm -hmm. and he says, what you have seen me do, make haste and do as I have done. So all the people likewise cut a tree limb and follow Abimelech. And it's kind of almost like a, a lynch mob. Yeah. And they go to the tower, uh, and uh, they set it on fire, and the people in there die. It says about a 1,000 mm. men and women. So Abimelech kills or has killed all the, the survivors of the city of Shechem. And it's basically, you know, fulfill this warning. Yeah. Jotham, Jotham had said, out of this bramble will come fire. And it did. But uh, let me say this. God's going to judge Bimelech yep. here as this chapter concludes, and we're about to see that here in just a few minutes. So Abimelech goes to the tower. And by the way, that must have been a giant of a tower to have a, a thousand people in it. And he sets he sets a flame to the, the base of it. And what happens in verse 53? But a certain woman dropped an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Then he called quickly to the young man, his armor bearer, and said to him, draw your sword and kill me, lest men say of me a woman killed him. So his young man thrust him through, and he died. So 
the prophecy, the, the judgment of Jotham has come upon Shechem, and it has come upon Abimelech. Isn't this something? I mean, and again, you were talking about a politician versus a leader. It, it's not, you know, oh, I'm going to die, you know, may God have mercy on my soul. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, <laughs> maybe almost like an assisted suicide. Quick, yeah. you know, stab me through because I don't want people to know that a woman killed yeah. me. Yeah, his reputation is what's on his mind. And and here, you know, 3,000 years later, we still talk about the fact that, hey, Abimelech, you got killed by a female. Yeah. Um, God have mercy. Wow. Folks, we're going to come back. This is Exploring the Word. Jeff Shambly, Alex McFarland. Your calls, your questions after this brief break. The number, 888-589-8840. Stay tuned. We'd like to thank our sponsors, including Preborn. Preborn has rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day their network clinics rescue 200 babies. Will you join Preborn in loving and supporting young moms in crisis? Save a life today. Go to preborn.com. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Jesus is enough. Oh, yes, Jesus is alive. That's some good upbeat music for this afternoon. (laughs) And uh, the number, 888-589-8840, as we get ready to take our calls and questions, we have lines open. You will get through if you call in. Um, We're going to kind of wrap up Judges 9. Abimelech, as I said, the the Bible says, the way of the transgressor is hard. Uh, Verse 56, thus God rendered the wickedness of Abimelech, which he did unto his father in slaying his 70 brethren, and all the evil men of Shechem did God render upon their heads. And upon them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubbaal. So the, the wording there in verse 57, God rendered upon their heads. You know, be careful what you say and do, you know, um, I want to categorically say we don't believe in karma. You know, that's an Eastern thought. But let me say there is a righteous God who is sovereign, and words and actions and schemes and sin, sin yields a harvest. Yeah. And, and Jeff, I, I've seen it many times in many families. Um, selfishness, sin, cursings, holding grudges— it, it does, you know, the Bible says, don't sow to the wind, you'll reap a whirlwind. And certainly Abimelech is a picture of that. Yes, the, the bottom line is God is just, and all yes. sin must be atoned for. And that is why we need a Savior. Unlike Israel here, unable to keep the law, unable to stay faithful with God, God later would provide a new covenant for Israel, which would come to us Gentiles, which would enable the law of God to be written on our hearts. And that is what it means to be born again when God regenerates us and makes us his own and puts the sin that we uh, deserve the punishment for upon Christ. And so I, I see the gospel here because God is just and God put the punishment of our sins upon Jesus. And that is the good news. 
Amen. Amen. Uh, well, we're going to Arkansas. Okay. And we have, we had a caller from Arkansas. Nancy, Nancy. from Arkansas. Are you there? Hello, Nancy from Arkansas. There you go. Are, are you there? I'm here. For, yes. Yes, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. I just want to say that I truly love y'all's program. I have learned so much from listening with you all. I do have a question, please, sir. They say, absent from the body is present with the Lord. Right. That is... If, for Christians, what happens to people who are non-believers? Great question. And by the way, I'm going to be in your home state, Arkansas, later this spring, and I'll keep you all posted on that. Uh, Jeff, 2 Corinthians 5.8, where the Apostle Paul writes, uh, I say, willing rather to be absent from the body mm-hmm. and to be present with the Lord, which is far better uh, this is for born-again Christians, because the Bible also says in verses like Hebrews 9.27, uh, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Jeff, as I read the New Testament, I believe that one second after physical death, the, the soul or the spirit mm-hmm. is in eternity. For those that have been born again through faith in Jesus— Sins are washed away, righteous mm-hmm. in the eyes of God by a relationship with Christ. They are in heaven. They're in the presence of God. But for those who have rejected Christ, they're not. They're not with the Lord, but they're in hell. And and Luke 16 yeah. uh, depicts that as well. So, so, Nancy, to your question, absent from the body to be present with the Lord— that is for those that have accepted the gift of salvation through a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Jeff, do you agree? I do, and I was going to bring up Luke chapter 16 because the parable that Jesus gave of the rich man and Lazarus, Lazarus speaks in verse 28 and describes the place where he is as a place of torment. And that that mm. could not be more clear uh, from the passage. So Abraham uh, has Lazarus in, in paradise, if you will, but the rich man is in a place of torment. So very, very sad, yeah. but, but the gospel, again, this is, this is why it's urgent that people repent and believe in Christ and receive eternal life. Amen. Yeah. Uh, yes, and folks, if you have never trusted Christ and never made sure that you're born again, you can do mm. that today. Jesus is as close by as a prayer, and we pray that you will make sure of that. We're going to go to Texas. Guy uh, in Texas. Guy, thanks for holding Welcome to Exploring the Word. By the way, folks, the number, 888-589-8840. We welcome your calls and questions. Guy, uh, you're on. Hello, gentlemen. Uh, I wanted to speak to God being immutable, and I want to go to Genesis, speaking about uh, Abraham being married to his half-sister. And then going on into Leviticus, where it talks about you should not be having sexual relations with someone who is a member of your close family. Mm-hmm. How do we how do we join that, or how do we disjoin that uh, when we say God is immutable in one book, yeah. uh, and then two books down the road, it's like, hey, here's here's another set of rules for you. Yeah, yeah, uh, th- that's a great question. Good question. Uh, l- let me say this. Um, 
Abraham and Moses lived, um, you know, probably more than 400 years apart. And so, you know, on the one hand, in a, in a strictly technical sense, every human being marries a sibling, in a way. Marriage, biblically, marriage is heterosexual monogamy, a man and a woman, one man, one woman for one lifetime. But we all are related to Adam and Eve. And so um, Abraham, you know, married a, a sibling, but we all do, really. But I think in the Levitical law where God begins to get very pragmatic, it, it is spiritual, it is civil, but it's also pragmatic because, as we know, um, one of the reasons that it's not good to marry a near relative is because recessive genes become dominant genes. Uh, and there, that's why where there is inbreeding, there are things like birth defects because genes that are, you know, recessive and wouldn't manifest themselves very often. Ordinarily, um, the more limited the genetic pool, the more likely a birth defect would manifest itself. So, Jeff, I, I don't think the fact that God, in the Levitical law under Moses, I don't think the fact that God emphasizes this means that God has changed. God doesn't change uh, his nature. Malachi 3 and Hebrews 13 tell us that God uh, changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I think in, in the law, which the keeping of the law would be just very burdensome, in fact, impossible, showing how much we need a Savior. But though God clarifies and emphasizes a lot of behavioral boundaries, it doesn't mean that his nature has changed. Yeah. I think he, he would have cared for the Israelite people, didn't he? Yeah, I think that we draw a distinction between the attributes of God and the laws and the statutes that he uh, gave to Israel as his covenant people. And I think uh, for example, there were laws against unclean foods. There were uh, different laws given in Leviticus that were designed to separate the people of God from the nations that were around them. Because one of the phrases that occurs over and over is, not like the nations who I'm, I'm dispossessing before you. So they were not to, to have sexual relations uh, with um, close relatives or with with animals or idolatry, any number of things that were designed to separate them from the nations around them. But like you said, Alex, I think that's in distinction to God's attributes, which are unchangeable, his holiness, his righteousness, his justice, and so forth. So I think that's how we could explain it. But very good question. That's a great question, uh, sir. Thank you so much. Okay, the number, and we've got time for maybe a couple of more calls, 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. And while we wait for the next call to get queued up, um, let me mention the Facebook page. If you would, if you haven't already, check out the Exploring the Word page on Facebook. Brent Austin does such a good job putting content up there, and we, not too long ago, hit 8,000 fans and followers on Facebook. We appreciate that. All glory to God. And if you haven't, uh, now let's set another milestone. Let's see if we can bump that up to 10,000. 10, uh, yes. I, well, we've got an online question here that comes in, Jeff, okay. and the question is this. Um, what constitutes marriage according to the Bible? 
That, that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. And uh, let, let me just say, what society has believed for centuries, and certainly what the Church has taught, that marriage is a, a covenant between a man and a woman, Jeff, that, that's not just arbitrary, something people dreamed up. I believe marriage is something God revealed to the human race. Biblically, Jeff, what is biblical marriage? Well, it's rooted in creation, isn't it? I mean, when we see Adam and Eve, we find language as if it is not good that man should be alone. And so so God, in his, in his goodness and in his mercy, provides a helper suitable for Adam and provides someone for Eve as well, so that, that together, Adam and Eve represent God in a way that they could not have done separately. So while we don't see a formal marriage ceremony in the Garden of Eden, we do see everything that is there uh, for the union of a man and a woman in God's eyes, which is what we see in marriage. Amen. Uh, That's good. Um, By the way, folks, you can email questions, word at AFR.net. We're going to Texas. Lisa in Texas, thanks for holding, and welcome to Exploring the World. You're welcome. Well, you're welcome. And I'm just making a comment about that last caller's uh, question about why you could marry uh, brother and sister earlier, and yet then the law later says not to. And you think about the beginning, um, Adam and Eve, their children had to marry brothers and sisters. You know, we all know that Cain got his wife from his sister. And genetically, their genes were very strong. But God knew that as we marry and have children as time goes by our genetics are getting worse and worse as years go by and so at the time when abraham married sarah he was still allowed to marry his sister but then i think with the law and i think i've heard you guys mention this once before the law later stops people from marrying their brothers and sisters because god knew our genetics are getting worse as we go on yes you're you're right lisa uh and you know answers in genesis um, if you go to the webpage for AIG, Ken Ham and all of his, you know, they have a lot of scholars working, continuously writing, and there's some good papers that they've written on this very subject, and you, you summarized it well, Lisa. Yeah, very good. Good job. Thanks very much. Staying in Texas, Ron. Ron, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you, uh, and thanks for thanks for taking my call. I, I listen to the program frequently when I'm, especially when I'm in the car. Um, and I had had a question about uh, it's actually I could ask two or three about Moses' family, but I mainly want to know is uh, it in I guess it's numbers that it says Miriam and Aaron were complaining against Moses. Or they uh, had a problem with Moses because of the Cushite woman that he married. Is that is that Zipporah, or is that a second wife, or uh, are, are they the same person? Uh, well, and this is in Numbers chapter 12. Um, you know, uh, by the way, Ron, great question. Commentators differ on this. Um, some have thought that it it is Zipporah. You know, I, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure because, you know— um, in the middle of the Exodus, uh, Moses sends Zipporah away, and the Cushites were uh, a group that, you know, in a way, if Moses took this woman that it wasn't Zipporah, and that's what I tend to think it is, it 
means Moses uh, was guilty of polygamy, really, Jeff. But this is one of those complex passages that that I, we just don't exactly know. Uh, Jeff, do you have any insights on this? Well, I have to be very careful. I don't have a definite answer, but I do think in, in my translation— in Numbers 12.1, it describes it as an Ethiopian woman. Mm-hmm. So would Zipporah have been a Midianite woman and not an Ethiopian? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, would, I would think that would be a separate, a separate yeah. woman. Yeah. Uh, uh, Zipporah was uh, a Midianite woman, and so if uh, the Cushite woman was indeed you know, Ethiopian, um, this is a different woman, yeah. uh, you know, and... Uh, it's just one of those things. Let me just say this. A lot of people have observed the, these anomalies and these, you know, warts and all. I mean, you think about this. Moses, the great lawgiver, the great deliverer, led Egypt out of, uh, led Israel out of Egypt. And here's the thing. The fact that the Bible, without really commentary, just named Abraham certainly had his failings, Moses had his failings, and I tend to think this is one of them. Right. And King David had his failings. Jeff, I was at a college speaking some years ago, and this professor said, well, you know, the Old Testament was just ancient Zionist pro-Israel <laughs> propaganda. I said, I don't think so. If you were writing hagiographies just to ballyhoo your beloved leaders, I think things like this you would have left out. Absolutely. You know, uh, these things, even though we don't fully understand them, actually point to the authenticity, just the brazen honesty of Scripture, which is God's Word. Yeah. Jeff Shambly, let's let's do this again tomorrow, this shall is we? Great. Thanks, Alex. Yeah. Well, folks, uh, thanks for listening to Exploring the Word. I know we had a call we didn't get to. We ran out of time. But uh, tell somebody about Exploring the Word and all the great programming on the American Family Radio Network. Like that Exploring the Word Facebook page, if you would. And kudos to the great crew who helps this show go live every day. Thank you for listening, folks. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. I want to thank our sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com slash AFR and sponsor an ultrasound? Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest-serving healthcare cost-sharing ministry helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Visit chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR.